0: Good morning, everybody. This is Morning Woodruff. I am Earl. This is Travis. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good job, man. Oh, the coffee's really good this morning, too, oh. i got to tell you. Oh, Thank get you. Started. I
1: only put in uh, three cups of um, decaf.
0: Yeah. Well, I put in a cup of uh, that workout uh, stuff to get you going, and so that, my, my that lips are tingling. Yeah, pre-workout. That's right. Yeah. Uh, how's it going today?
1: Uh, it's going good. Um, what did you, uh, you do last night?
0: Saw Spider-Man. Spider-Man Two: Far From Home. Oh, finally! Yes, I loved it. I thought it was a great movie.
1: It, uh, it was, it was really good. I introduced Mysterio, and he was, he was really good, and um, just everything about the movie was great.
0: Well, like because with with Mysterio, he's one of those characters that his his powers may turn out lame because this guy, he's an ex uh, Hollywood stunt double. And, or Stuntman. And he was using all of his special effects know hows to rob Banks and defeat Spider Man. And, you know, like a TV show or something like that, it might come off corny or lame, but with today's technology, with the use of, like, drones and projectors and things like that, he's able to make these things come alive, and he's actually doing a, something from The Incredibles movie, mm-hmm. where he's going to make himself look like a hero. And the spoilers, by the way, uh, in case you didn't know, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. Yeah,
1: so, um, so uh, if if you haven't seen the movie yet, stop blessing right <laughs>
0: now. Too late. Uh-huh. Anyway. But he comes off as a good guy, and he's going to make himself look like a superhero but really he's not doing anything. He's he's got all these effects that make him look like he's doing the stuff and then when uh when the gimmick is over, he shows up in a in a freshly pressed suit and he's like, "Here I am. I'm the guy that just saved you all," but you've just been watching a hologram the entire time. So, it was it was neat the way that they made this cheesy kind of character like they made the entire suit yeah. make sense.
1: And they, they had him wearing, like, a
0: green screen
1: suit throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, he was yeah. wearing a motion capture yeah. suit. it was cool. And then what they would do is just they... Uh, he had a group of special effects people lay uh, a CGI over his suit. So, like, even... That might have been how they were shooting the movie. And then they were just like, yeah, stay in that suit. And we'll just, like, it's going to be part of the thing. So... It was, really
1: yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was really cool, really different, because I was wondering, how are they gonna pull that off, and then, it was, it was my mistake questioning Marvel, Well, it's everything they do is a home
0: run. It even makes the, the Endgame movie that just came out even better, because when, when the Endgame movie is over, you're still left with a few answers, you know, so, uh, at the end of the Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War, Thanos does the snap. And with that snap, half of existence in the universe disappears. And so in this movie, it shows what happens. It shows these kids are playing in the band, and they, they're in the, in the them, high school gymnasium. Yeah, right? You see
1: them disappear, and then like five years later, kids are playing basketball, and all of a sudden the kids from the band show back up, They're getting hit in the face of the basketball. Yeah, yeah,
0: because it shows that that's what happened. So, some of the kids that were in the high school disappeared. Uh, Some of them didn't. And the ones that didn't are now five years older, but now they're still in high school. But they're like 21, you know, like, so it shows that even though, like, the snap happened, you were still in school and things like that. Yeah,
1: there was a, there's, there's a point in the movie where Flash Thompson is, um, in first class and he's about to get alcohol and they're like, oh, he's not 21.
0: Yeah, they take his champagne away.
1: So, it's fine.
0: Yeah. It, uh, but instead of calling it the snap, they call it the blip. Everybody has a different name for what had happened where everybody kind of mysteriously vanished. And, uh, it was, it it really did a lot of, uh, going back to Spider-Man, put a lot of service to, Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee, uh, he did the, the story, and Steve Ditko did the artwork, and usually the artist is always overlooked, you know, Stan Lee gets a bulk of the credit because he created the story, but he was always that guy that wanted to be out there, and he wanted to promote all these characters, and the artists didn't want to do any of that. Like, some of these guys were like, like they would stay hidden or, and attach to their board. They didn't want the show business thing. Like, Stan wanted to be, like, total diva, you know? So that's why a lot of the times the artists don't get as much credit as they're, they're due. But Steve Ditko created Spider Man, the, the look. And, uh, I, like I said, uh, Steve, uh, Stan went to Jack Kirby. Uh, and Jack Kirby is the artist that they did Fantastic Four and the X-Men and all the characters. He did all the the Mm -hmm. character design for these guys. and So he was trying to find a guy he goes, I want, Stan's like, I want this kid to be uh, a high school kid. And Jack, he had a dynamic way of drawing and he drew kind of like this bulkier guy. And Stan's like, no, no, I want him to be skinnier. So Uh, Steve Ditko drew the skinny version of Peter Parker that we know today. And they're the ones they put out. It was for Amazing Fantasy 17. The book was going to be canceled. And so Stan had this idea... And they kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, and they're like, "Well, we're going to put it.' Let's, it's the last issue. no one's going to care." So they put it in Amazing Fantasy 17 and put it out. And then the next month, sales came in, and it was huge. And so the editor was like, "You remember that?" And the editor like hated the idea of Spider-Man. And so he was like, "No, no, no." And so that's why it got pushed back to like the final final book. They were like, look, it, it's the last one anyway. Let's go ahead and run that Spider-Man thing. They ran it. It was a hit. The editor comes in he goes, you remember that Spider-Man character that we both loved so much? He's like, let's uh, do a, a standalone series on that. And so that's where Spider-Man comes in. And Spider-Man has one of the best rogues galleries yeah. in comics. Besides, like, Batman,
1: he probably has Aunt Batman and Flash. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but
0: uh, Captain Cold is kind of like a... No, but but Flash had uh, Mirror Master, Captain Boomerang, Gorilla Grodd. So, you know what I mean? Like, those are... Like, Flash, even though everybody thinks that Captain Cold is just an a-hole wearing a parka and... He's a a Mr. Freeze knockoff. Yeah, even though he's a Mr. Freeze knockoff, he's still... Like, Flash has a huge rogues gallery. Okay, let's get
1: back to Spider-Man. Of course, of course. Not Flash. But yeah, the rogues gallery on
0: Spider-Man is probably one of the best ones out there yeah because you have the sinister six you got venom uh you got carnage they it it goes on and on but uh spider-man uh far from home they deal with mysterio and he uh they think that he's going to be tony's replacement so if you didn't see endgame tony stark uh sacrificed his life in order to save... Well, thanks the for movie. ruining you that. I know, I know. Well, the movie only made like a billion dollars uh, yeah. in the first week, if, so... If you didn't see it by now, you if, deserve it. It's it spoiled. If, if you didn't see it, you're not really a fan. So yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's, that's what they're saying. They're saying that, uh, you know, uh, they put out a thing saying the DVD is going to come out uh, in August. And they show everything. Like they they show the end of the movie. They show Jordan, all the funny stuff. Bad. Yeah, they show all the stuff. Like they and people sure, are, like like
1: even like the little small stuff. Everything is ruined.
0: Yeah, and so people go like, "Oh, you ruined the movie." But like, well, if you didn't see it the first two weeks, you probably weren't gonna see it until it came out on video anyway. You know, unless you're my mom. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> but uh, but he uh, but Mysterio is supposed to be Tony's replacement. He, he shows up and people are like, this is the next Iron Man. And uh, even Spider-Man's like, yeah, you be Iron Man. I can't. I'm not Iron Man. And uh, so, but Tony had left Peter these glasses that had this tech built into him. Uh, Edith. Yeah, Edith, uh, which was an acronym for Even Dead, I'm the Hero. Which is a very Tony Stark thing. The guy was so full of himself and so, you know, grandiose that, uh, like, that's, it's a great scene in the movie, too, because you're like, man, yeah, that, he was really, if you love these movies as much as we do, you know that Tony, like, Robert Downey Jr. was basically just doing a Robert Downey Jr. impersonation.
1: Yeah, it was about, to say... he's the only person that could be Iron Man. You couldn't see Tom Cruise or Timothy Dalton or somebody else as Tony Stark.
0: And Tom Cruise was originally supposed to play Iron Man uh, when they were, when Paramount was going to do the movie years ago. And John Favreau was like, no, no, it's got to be Robert Downey Jr. It's got to be Robert Downey Jr. And I like to think that if Tom Cruise would have did the movie that the franchise probably would have been killed that first movie so it's only because uh tom cruise does have a specific set of rules when he's in a movie he has to have like they made a mummy movie a couple years ago and one of the deals was that he has to have more screen time than the mummy so it's hard to make a movie where the main actor gets more screen time than like if you made the wolfman right and the Wolfman didn't show up, but you had plenty and plenty of like some other actor, like you'd kind of be pissed, you know? Like, I think the only time that works is in Jaws. You know, that's the only time where the actual thing doesn't show up. But, uh, uh, but John Favreau, uh, he shows up as Happy, uh, Happy Hogan, the, uh, the manservant. And, uh, nice little Happy
1: Hogan, me.
0: Yeah, it shows him and Aunt May getting on. Well,
1: I mean, they don't actually show it, but they, yeah, they
0: instigate it. I'm sure if you go on YouTube, you can find it. Yeah, you you can find anything (laughs) Yeah, it's all there. But yeah, it was was neat to show that. And then uh, Mysterio shows up, and he battles the Elementals. And the Elementals are four different beings based on actual uh, mythology. Uh, Yeah, yeah, fire, earth, water, that type of thing. Uh, where San, uh, Spider-Man has the enemies that are...
1: Yeah, I was about to say, the elementals, they were actually... are uh, they based on comic?
0: Yeah. Uh, Sandman, Hydro-Man, uh, Molten Man, and the Cyclone. And uh, these are the, the bad guys that are based on those four mythological beings. And so, uh, rather than Mysterio battling you know, a real guy and this guy being taken to jail or whatnot. So if he shows up and he battles these fake forces, then he can make them disappear and appear at his own whim. And it looks like this guy saved the city, but because he had these drones hidden inside the projections that looks like they're doing real damage but where it's just a weaponized drone that's either blowing fire or sparking electricity or puffing out smoke or just, you know, making it making the damage look real. And so, um, it was really neat that the way they, they made that, those damages look real using today's technology. Um, oh, Shit. I had a thought but I totally forgot. I know how you
1: feel. What's a, what's next on the agenda <laughs> Well Spider-Man? I well well the there
0: was a, there was a character so so the kids are, are travelling around Europe, right? And okay. wherever uh, Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, wherever he needs Spider Man to be, because Spider Man's supposed to be on vacation and he's in Europe And so they're like, well, we need you to come here. He goes, no, I can't go there. I'm on a class field trip. I want to be with my friends. And so he's like, yeah, okay, I get you, I get you. And then next thing you know, wherever they wanted Spider-Man to go, that's That's where the field trip, the the teacher's like, hey, guys, we just got upgraded. We're going to Prague. You know, so, so it's like... Wherever this kid, like, wherever the, the danger is, they're like, okay, we're just going to move the class over there that way. You know, if, if you're not going to go with us, then we're going to make, you know, you go. So uh, they have this guy standing there, and he's uh, one of the, uh, the hired help for Nick Fury. And he goes by the name of Dimitri. And in the comic book, there's a Dimitri who is a character called Chameleon. Chameleon is a shape-shifting character. And so it could be, I don't know, it's, it's far-reaching. But there's a chance that this Dimitri could be that same character. They're just setting up another one of his villains. We were talking about the yeah. Rogue's Gallery. So that could be the Chameleon. Yeah, you said uh, Chameleon's, wasn't his brother? His, his ha- The the Chameleon's half-brother is uh, another Russian uh, who is known by Sergei Kravinov. And... Craven or Craven uh Craven the Hunter is another one of Spider-Man's uh rogues gallery. Craven the Hunter is a Russian big game hunter who realizes that the most like you remember the most dangerous game that book, you mm-hmm. know. So this guy he he realizes that Spider-Man has to be the most dangerous game because this guy he's always thwarting crimes and things like that. So I'm going to go to America and I am going to hunt the most dangerous game. Mm. So he goes and he he hunts by he tries to kill Spider-Man for years and years and years. Can't can't kill him. So finally uh there is a a character called the Vermin. And the Vermin is like an underground dwelling like rat-looking guy and Spider-Man cannot beat this guy. He always needed the help of somebody else. Like one time, he teamed up with Captain America, and they beat the Vermin. And so, Craven decides that Vermin is actually the most dangerous game because Spider-Man can't beat this guy. So, Spider-Man uh, gets shot by Craven. Uh, it's in a, it's like a six-issue series, Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, Craven shoots Spider-Man and buries him and takes Spider-Man's black suit, puts it on, and goes and hunts down Vermin as Spider-Man. Spider-Man wakes up. He was shot with a tranquilizer dart, which is, you know, like, because people thought, you know, oh, my God, this guy just actually shot Spider-Man and buried him. It turns out he shot Spider-Man and buried him alive. So in one of these great scenes, it shows it's raining. It's at the gravesite, and like a zombie... Peter Parker is climbing his way out of the grave and he you know, and which anytime you can draw a picture of somebody coming out of the grave has gotta be like, you know, Christmas present. So uh but Craven defeats Vermin and he's like, Oh, okay, well I did it. I I captured the most dangerous game, and he goes to Spider-Man and he's like, Here's your suit back, and he goes, I let Vermin go. He goes, I caught him, and I let him go. He goes, if you want to go chase him, that's up to you. But I'm the one that caught him, and, and I'm, I'm satisfied. Craven goes home. He realizes that he doesn't have anything left. He, he, is, he has caught the most dangerous game. He's done everything there is. He takes out one of his prized rifles, polishes it, and kills himself. Well,
1: uh, didn't he already have, like, cancer in the books? Like, what's he gonna die anyway? So he
0: just sped up the process. Well, you know how comic books are. Uh, Years later, he shows up again in a bar, and he's 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 gray. He's gray now, but he's still alive. So it's just uh, like you know, people used to ask Stan, "Who would win in a fight, Superman or Spider-Man?" And Stan always says, "Depends on who's writing the book." And so it that's and that's. They, they always had a... Uh, there was always a, a rule about comic books. No one stays dead except Bucky.
1: And then he came
0: back. And then he came back. Yeah. So that, that means that, you know, it, all the rules are out the window. So that was... Uh, but, that, and, but that just shows you where these movies can go. Mm-hmm. Is that you you start with... You know, you, you have Mysterio in this movie, and then you introduce one character who will lead you down another path into yeah. a bigger universe. Or you start
1: with, like, uh, the Vulture in Homecoming, and then you work your way up to Sinister Six. Yeah, and... It's, it's just, there's so many steps, and...
0: Right, because in in the first movie, in the uh, Homecoming, they introduce the Vulture. Electro. Electro no uh the Shocker shock the Shocker okay, sorry <laughs> Shockmaster is a different one uh he showed up and his helmet fell off uh, no I'm just kidding that <laughs> that didn't happen but that would be great <laughs> if it did right it's, he's like I'm a Shocker I shock things and then when I showed up I came through a wall and my helmet fell off <laughs> didn't and, happen and then um the Scorpion showed up yeah so so you already have like three people yeah. in of of a potential Sinister 6 yeah. So in this next movie, like, they introduce Mysterio, and Doctor, well, possibly Chameleon. I mean, in the next one, they probably can introduce like Doc Ock, but that's but like they could introduce Craven. They can, they can go down that road if the this guy, yeah, if this guy is related to him, it, they could go down that road. So uh, they also have uh, the Peter Tingle which is how they describe the spider sense. You know, uh, it they it's described as he's like Aunt May throws a banana at him and it it hits him right in the face and she says you can dodge bullets, but you can't you can't cipher a banana coming at you and he's like, "Well, you know what happens." She goes, "What do you call it? Your Peter Tinkle." And it's just a way how to, you know, it's spider spidey sense. And what do you think about the end credit scene? The the end credit
1: scene was beautiful. Um, well, they had the mid credits and yeah, the end well, credits. Yeah. yeah, but like the mid credit scene was beautiful. Like, um, J. Jameson showed up. That was great. He looked way different in this one than he did in the ones with uh, Tobey Maguire.
0: Yeah, and, so that uh, way you knew that it wasn't the same universe. It was the yeah, same character, yeah. but a different universe. Yeah.
1: And and the re and like how they teased the multiverse earlier in the movie, but with the Mysterio showing up saying he's from a different world, which was a farce. But uh, then J. JJ Jameson showing up looking different.
0: J. JJ Jameson was one of my favorite characters from the Sam Raimi movies, where he 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 took that character and he got it spot on, and then for them to. Do something that's never done before. They brought in the same actor to play the same character, yeah. but in a different yeah. set of movies. In J.K. Simmons, he's a
1: wonderful actor. Uh, he was great in Wet um, he did He get nominated for an Oscar. Uh, I don't. I he might have. I don't know. He was. He was probably one of the shining bright spots of the Justice League, where he showed up as Commissioner Gordon. And uh,
0: his great all-state commercials. Oh, yeah. Um, State Farm. Well, the first time I saw him, uh, he was in that show Oz, that prison show. Yeah. Yeah, and he played a white supremacist. Oh, yeah. What if he would have took that character and played Jay Jonah? I think it would have been a little something like... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. It's... Except yep. the mustache was the, the, dead on. This
1: head. is our first episode. I don't want us to
0: be uh, pulled automatically after the first episode. Right, right. Watch what you say saying. Okay. And then the other uh, end credit, or the final end credit scene, was it turns yes. out he was. that uh, that Nick Fury was actually vacationing in outer space, and, and Talos
1: and uh, his wife. I don't know what her name was.
0: Ms. Yeah, Strolls. yeah. J.K. Simmons one Best Actor.
1: Okay. Oh, he did. Okay. Thanks.
0: I'm surprised you didn't know that.
1: Thank you. Oh, I'm surprised. That, you know, I get there.
0: That was our producer Brian. Yes. With the with the fact check. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so yeah, it turns out that the scrolls the entire time were portraying Nick Fury and Maria Hill and setting up the whole thing. So it was aliens from another planet that were shapeshifters that were conducting. All the important business. That's right. Which also sets up, uh, if secret invasion. Yeah. And uh, are you familiar with that?
1: Um, I've I've heard about it. I've read a little bit about it, and it does sound pretty pretty amazing. What they would, what the the direction
0: they're going towards. What What the secret invasion is is uh, in the comic books. It's where the alien race, the scrolls, who are shapeshifters. They have to team up with what they call the new Avengers. The new Avengers was like Ares, might have been Swordmaster, uh Wolverine, Spider Woman, um She Hulk.
1: Wolverine was Logan's kid.
0: No, no, the It was the actual Wolverine. It was the actual Wolverine. Oh, okay. Uh but it's the the new Avengers. They team up and uh they say the, the scrolls say, Look, there's going to be a Cree invasion and the Kree... Uh, we saw them in Captain Marvel and we thought that they were the uh hero race that but they're actually but they were jerks. actually a bunch of jerks. Yeah. And so uh so the scrolls are like, hey, the Kree are going to invade, so we have to stop them. But we've been posing as heroes this entire time. So you find out that there's some scrolls that were uh posing as uh like they captured this princess and she's like, Look, she's like I'm, I'm I'm a scroll and uh, we have to you know team up. So that it looks like they might go down that road for uh, like the next movie you know, or the series of Avengers movies. Um, I would be down for that. And J. Joe and Jameson was kind of doing an impersonation of like Alex Alex Jones. Uh, you're familiar with Alex Jones the way his like the cadence is like and tonight Spider-Man. That's right. Webhead. He's he's a menace! You know, that type of thing. And it's, it's pretty good.
1: Bring me Spider-Man.
0: That's right. There's Wolf wolf Boys. No, Dog, dog Men? Is I that mean? what? I don't know. Uh, War Dogs? No, 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 no. There's a... The, never mind. That's... Okay.
1: And um, that was our spoiler-filled review of Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, well, I was reading, uh, according to Variety Magazine, they said that Spider-Man, this new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, Earned 185 million in the first week, so there's probably going to be another one. Yeah, you think? Maybe. So as uh, as far as the Spider-Man movies go, which one is your favorite?
1: Uh, I really enjoyed the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. I loved Homecoming. Um, the ones with Andrew Garfield were okay. Um, I probably put Spider-Man. Tom McGuire, Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, uh, Spider-Man Two, Three, and the Enter Garfields are last because that's where they deserve to be. <laughs> I agree. Uh, if Enter Garfield,
0: you're listening. You're <laughs> a great actor. Yeah, I, yeah, he's a great actor. Uh, he was a great Eduardo in the uh, Facebook movie. So, uh, but the my favorite one was Spider Man Two from Sam Raimi. Uh, only get like the the first Spider Man Sam Raimi was was it's fantastic because it explains all of Spider Man's origin and all that. But for the sequel, all of that's explained and you get right into the movie. And there's a lot of great things in there, Doctor Octopus is really good, and it's it's a lot of fun. It explores things from the comics, like Aunt May interacting with a doctor Octopus, where in the comic book they actually uh he romances May and marries her and now spider man's uncle is one of his greatest villains, and so uh so I I liked how it went there. So Spider-Man 2 had always been one of my favorites for a long time. Um, and then with the Andrew Garfield ones, he was a great Spider-Man as far as he was having fun in the suit. And he had the the witty banter that Spider-Man is known for. Uh, but I don't think Peter Parker was supposed to be that cool or good looking. Yeah. And like here's a kid that like he's a skateboarder. And I think that that's when you have too many cooks in the kitchen uh Sony uh added a lot of things that made him like a cool character which he's not supposed to be cool and that's what makes these uh, far from home and homecoming so good is that Peter's a nerd he's he's kind of an outcast because he's so smart you know the cool kids don't want anything to do with him and even the kids like Flash Thompson even a kid that is is with him in in the academics is still calls him Penis Parker because you know this this kid just he gets no respect. He's not cool at all, and this movie, uh, The Far From Home, is probably my favorite Spider Man movie now, overtaking the top spot because of just the the character development and the the way it's 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 close to the comic, but it also goes far enough away to where it's enjoyable and it you know. You could almost think, oh, these guys, they might, be, they might be doing something different by making Mysterio a good guy. And then, nope, they, he's a bad guy. Yeah. So, surprise is abound. My favorite movie. Speaking of wrestling moves, when we were kids, we, uh, we had a pool. And I'm nine years older than Travis. Uh, but uh, I was always, I could always maneuver, you know what I mean, like a choke slam. He, was, he got the brunt of it. But we, we would do these moves in the pool and he would, he would put me in the sharpshooter and like, I'd have to yeah, keep coming up for air because we were in the low end of the pool and he's got me in the sharpshooter. I'm trying to doggy paddle up and he's doing really good, you know, but I'm like, I can't use my legs. So I'm almost drowning in this thing. I'm reaching up, I'm grabbing a hold of the cement and I'm trying to pull myself up. I'm like, dude, I need some air. And, but we would, yeah, we'd practice these moves and we would, uh, for, the, for the harder moves, we would get on the diving board. I'm surprised we didn't kill each other because we were doing, we were doing power bombs. What was the one movie we would always do off the diving? Oh, shit. Uh, I was about
1: to say the Frankensteiner, but, um...
0: That would have killed. Yeah. No, there was, was... Was the power bomb or was it... I think it was the power bomb. We went to that, remember that one trailer that had a pool, uh... Holy face tony his uh his parents had oh the, yeah um, or his yeah. in-laws had a pool
1: yeah we're, 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 Well, I did the uh the man flying the elbow that's what it was and then <laughs> I would do the um Chris Benoit Headbutt.
0: the diving board was so high up it was like our diving board was probably only about a foot or two from the from the water or f- above the water but this diving board was so high like it was it it seemed like it was three yeah. feet, yeah, it was and five feet off the ground. Yeah, and the the elbow flying elbow yeah. smash was perfect yeah. for this thing. So
1: like, I would uh, I copy everything. Launch man, point to the heavens, and then I jump and wind the arm, and then right into the water. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, he
0: had time to wind the arm to jump into this thing, and uh, he would do the Chris Benoit uh, splash and then uh and then he picked up a pillow, and he smothered me, which I didn't understand what that was until years later, but <laughs> too soon uh yeah, well,
1: I mean it's been twelve years so i think I think anything after ten, you're good.
0: How do you remember that that was twelve years ago?
1: i uh, have a weird
0: mind when it comes to wrestling, I believe it yes, we did a uh we d- oh okay, so. We, we were practicing wrestling moves, and all the other guys at the pool were like, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're practicing these wrestling moves. So we were teaching kids. They were, I didn't know how to, I couldn't do it, not physically able to, but uh, these kids were doing 450 splashes, and uh, what was what Kidman used to do? Uh, shooting Star Press. These shooting Star Press. These kids didn't even know what wrestling was, and they were doing these Shooting Star Presses off this diving board. It was pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's uh, very influential. I'm, these kids could have either became wrestlers or small-time hoods. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> or, or cry kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they look like, you know, uh, look like Spider-Man jumping off, you know what I mean, up in the air. You know, they're, they're doing all these crazy moves and stuff. Did you, uh, do you see that, by the way? Spider-Man? Yeah. It just came out. I've seen it twice. I saw it twice. I saw the the first showing of the day, and then like I waited two showings, and I saw the the night show.
1: Well, we're we're going to go see it, right?
0: We're going to go see it. Okay. I don't want to spoil it for okay. you, but so.
1: Well, it's just uh, Jake Youngholm does a really good job as a Mysterio. Yeah, bad he's guy, the right? he's
0: the bad guy, and in the comic books, uh, well, in in the movie they they show him as kind of a a good guy. But in the comic books, you always knew that this guy was a bad guy. And uh, Mysterio was a... He was a former uh, Hollywood stuntman. And what he was doing is he was using all his Hollywood tricks to fool the people uh, to create these hoaxes. So what he would do is he would create like a monster someplace. And then while he has this monster, he's uh, ripping off the museum. He's stealing all the all the stuff. So... Tom Holland plays Spider Man in in these new movies, and he's pretty wonderful in it. Because in the in the older movies, if you if you saw the older Spider Man movies, you had uh, they had Tobey Maguire played Spider Man, which and, well, he was in his mid thirties, right? Yes, and he was actually Spider Old Man at yes. the time. <laughs> and then they had uh, Andrew Garfield who played Spider Man in the Amazing Spider Man series. He was in
1: his mid twenties.
0: Yeah. Okay. Where Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man was he, was, he was a good Peter Parker, uh, except that he was 40 years old, and, uh, but his Spider-Man was a bit stiff. Where Andrew Garfield, he was a great Spider-Man because he had the jokes and stuff, but his Peter Parker, Peter Parker was not that cool. Peter Parker was the equivalent of everybody I went to school with. Whereas uh, Tom Holland is the complete package. He is, he plays like a nerdy kid. You know, and he's he's smaller right now. And then when he's Spider Man, like it, it's fun. It's it's fun to watch. And with these other guys, like like the first Spider Man movie was probably one of the. I saw that movie six times in the movie theater. Wow. And and if it wasn't for Infinity War, it would be the movie that I saw the most times in the movie theater. Is is that your go to getting laid story? Like I've seen Spider Man six times, and girls like oh. No, my go-to uh, getting laid story is that I once drank uh, seven pints of Guinness in less than two minutes. Ooh. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was uh, with you for
0: that. Or was it, oh, Was it five? Was it five the first time? Or <laughs> five pints? Or... What that? Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Jake Gyllenhaal plays Mysterio in this movie. We get all over the place. Um, but he... Uh, he, he's a really good actor, and I didn't really think much of him before. He was in the movie Bubble Boy, and it was kind of a meh, kind of a, in, in my opinion. Uh, it wasn't a great movie. And, uh, but then he was in Brokeback Mountain, and I remember that uh, he got a lot of heat for being in that movie. And so when he did this movie called Prince of Persia... And it was supposed to be like a, like a summer blockbuster type of deal. Based on the uh, Bayou game. Right, right. Yeah. Did you ever play that game?
1: Uh, I did. Um, I didn't think it was that good. So it was like the movie? No. no, no I'm just kidding. No, no. It, it wasn't that good because I wasn't that good at Bayou games. Oh. So <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to say.
0: That's how I feel about like, Donkey it, Kong. It wasn't that good of a game because I sucked at it. So. It, had, it
1: had good graphics and uh, good story, but it's just, I'm not a video game person.
0: What's funny is, uh, The Prince of Persia was coming out. Dark Knight came out, I think, the summer before. And so, I'm in line for popcorn at the movies, and this guy goes to, he's talking to his friend in front of him. He goes, you gonna go see that, Prince of Persia? And he goes, dude, he goes, it's got that guy from Brokeback Mountain in it. And uh, and he goes, yeah, but he goes, Joker, dude. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, I see your point. Like, because Heath Ledger played Joker, it was okay to like Brokeback Mountain. No. <laughs> well,
1: he was, uh, he was really good in Donnie's Arco. I don't know. Have you ever seen that?
0: I'd seen it. It, it gets a lot of critical praise. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd seen it once, and I think I fell asleep, but it's because I'm fat, so... <laughs> You I mean worth that Yeah. Right. Not as fat now. I'm less people now. Yeah. Yes. So it's I, I lost a hundred pounds. Uh about hundred and fifteen. It'd probably be closer to hundred and fifty if you didn't count the ten pounds that I kept gaining back and losing because I like pizza. But other than that it's fine. Um so
1: go back let's go back to your um getting us seven pints and Guinness in two minutes. Should we
0: tell the story? Sure. Okay. So, uh, it's a great story. It was my it was my birthday, right? And as you do, yeah, you go out with your friends, right? So uh, we wanted 30 to celebrate fir- 31, 32? Yeah, uh, thirty one. It was my thirty first yeah. birthday. On the uh, on the way over to the studio this morning, uh, we didn't even talk to each other because we wanted the, the the conversation to be more organic. So it's a long ride of just sitting there like. In th- With nothing going on. You know, like, normally we could talk back and forth about everything, but then uh, when it came to this, we knew that we were doing a show, and so we were just like, do,
1: do, do. Yeah. He had
0: the radio on, um, and we were listening to the Beatles. (laughs) Oh, no. I went to the movies yesterday. Um, what'd you see? Spider-Man. Oh, okay. (laughs) No. He went to the movies, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. I went to the movies, um and I actually seen yesterday. What'd you say? yesterday.
0: No, when, what did you say? <laughs> yesterday. No, what
1: what did you say? Yesterday. you do this for I, another twenty minutes. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was actually really good. It it um it really drove home that how much of a big influence the Beatles were. Like, yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Because the the Beatles they are probably I would say in the top five greatest
0: music bands of all time. Well, A lot I mean, of people you would probably think, say number one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Only the and I think what you're trying to get at is that they were so influential. Most of the greatest songs were written by Paul McCartney and uh, and John Lennon. Where you have it started out when they were kids. You know, they met each other when uh, both their mothers had passed away, and they uh, they were both young guys, they were, I believe they were like 12 and 13, and they started hanging out, and then uh, they were playing music together, and he was he was like, I write songs, and uh, and he thought that John was going to be like, so what, and John was like, oh yeah, any good, and he's like, oh yeah, well, I was listening to Paul McCartney do an interview, and he was saying, "I," he, he went up to John, and he goes, I write songs, and he's like, and it probably went something like this, I oh, just want to let you know that I write songs. <laughs> And John was like, "Oh, uh, oh that sounds great." <laughs> he probably wasn't that. And then Ringo piped in, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we don't care what you think." No, Ringo actually didn't show up until much later. Oh, okay. uh, but there was uh, George Harrison joined, so it was Paul, John, and George, and they were all like 14 years old when they started playing. So imagine you're 14 years old, and you've already suffered the loss of your mom, and then they write all these songs. All you need is love. She loves you. You know. I mean. They and then Ringo wrote a song about an octopus. <laughs> but they uh they were they were young prodigies, all these all three of these kids. And Eric Clapton wrote my favorite song about George Harrison's wife, Wonderful Tonight. It's and if you don't know this story uh so uh Eric Clapton was cheating with George Harrison's wife, and she was just smashed out of her mind on cocaine, right? And she looks over, they're supposed to be going someplace. So she's wearing, like, this ball gown, and she's, like, totally, like, flying on coke. And she looks over at Eric Clapton, who's, you know, he's, he stole George Harrison's wife away. And she's like, how do I look, honey? <clears throat> and he looks over, and he's like, yeah, oh, you look wonderful tonight. And then, like, instead of, like, going with her, he sat there and he wrote this entire song. So, when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's such a beautiful song. And it turns out, behind the scenes, it was because he was, like, being sarcastic to this, like...
1: You was, know, uh, was that song that he wrote about his dead kid that crawled out the window... And died was it his and her kid or no? No, 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 no. They didn't have any kids. Oh. It
0: was with his actual wife Oh. that you know? <laughs> one. Oh. So well, it was a great song though. Oh yeah. But uh but it was no yellow submarine.
1: No. Oh Which no. Me back yeah, because we all bled in the yellow submarine. Well
0: there's a story where uh so Paul was at his house or he was in his uh, apartment, right? The, they were all staying they were on tour, okay? So uh you had uh, George was in run, one room and in the next room was Paul and then in the next room was John. And Ringo was sleeping in the van. Ringo was sleeping in the van because that's okay. how much respect he gets. Uh, so this girl, uh, this uh, this young Asian girl, she's knocking on the door and she's like, Hello? And, uh, and so uh, Paul answers the door and she's like, Oh, are you one of the Beatles? And it's this young Vietnamese girl. And Uh, He goes, oh no, you want to go next door? That's John Lennon. And so she goes next door, and it was Yoko Ono. (laughs) Like, Paul could have had a chance to be like, yeah, come on in, you know, (laughs) fancy a shag or something. And then maybe send her on her way, and then you wouldn't have to deal with Yoko destroying the band. Well, yeah,
1: that's kind of like, um, if you had Time Machine, would you go back and kill baby Hitler to prevent the Holocaust? It's the same thing with Yoko Ono. Would you stop her from destroying the Beatles?
0: Yeah, but which one would you do? Would you stop Baby Hitler, or would you stop Yoko Ono? You know, it's. Um, I mean, I'd probably stop Yoko Ono. Oh, you racist! <laughs> that's terrible. Everybody, you have to say Hitler. Like that's that's the rule. Yeah, but here's the baby, though. Here's what you could do: you could go back in your time machine, and you take Baby Hitler, and you beat Yoko with it. Like, that would be the ultimate, like, I think that that's where, that's that's what you'd have to do. That way, you know, you save them both. Our producer's about to die. But that's okay. It's, how was the movie? <laughs> the, uh,
1: the movie, surprisingly, it was good. Um, yeah, I thought it was a cute movie. It's... What did you like about it? The, uh, it's just, I like how the heart, and then if you actually, like, if the Beatles didn't exist, you wouldn't have all this great stuff, and, uh, it's just, like, even, like Ed Sheridan, he was great in the movie, um.
0: Yeah, for people that don't know him, it kind of introduces you to somebody that's in new music. Yeah. And, and of course, they're playing the great old Beatles music.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah
0: because
1: uh the Beatles They had so many so many hits on this movie. I didn't even realize how many
0: songs they had. They what they had over 20 uh, they've uh Beatles had over like 40 number one hits. But uh what's interesting is that the the guy that made this movie, the director uh Danny Boyle, he this is the second most expensive movie he's ever made. Uh he had to secure the rights to 17 of the Beatles songs. And that was, it was multi, multi millions of dollars to cost. Now, the only thing more expensive than securing 17 Beatles songs was at the time he insured Leo DiCaprio for a movie called The Beach. And because Leo was such a raging alcoholic at the time it cost more money to insure Leo DiCaprio than it did to secure 17 Beatles songs I had
1: no idea Danny Boyle did beach
0: I think he just hung out uh. on the beach but, oh, no. <laughs> but he wanted to make a movie while he was there uh. that'd be a great movie right? be like hey I want to hang out with like a bunch of hot chicks and, and Leo DiCaprio alright let's make a movie about it sounds good Well, I
1: figure it was going to be 28 Days Later, the zombie movie, where they had England deserted.
0: If I hung out with Leo DiCaprio with a bunch of girls in bikinis on a beach, I would look like I just came away from 28 Days Later. (laughs) Right? Anyway, So we were talking about the Beatles earlier, and uh, you were saying how influential they were to popular music, and I thought that uh, there's you know there's so many great acts that have been influential in music. One of my favorites is Elvis. What about you? Um,
1: yeah, Elvis is uh, really good. I really I I love Queen.
0: I don't know why I love Queen that much, but well, no, but you know you're not you're not in a you're not in the minority there you know they're making movies about the band you know like if you listen to their songs and especially now you know if you if you grab a cd and you listen to their music you're gonna find that they have so many uh so many hits that you didn't even know you know i want to break free or a funny crazy little thing called love like some of those songs you know right now they're using them to sell pepsi so yeah it's, well,
1: uh, it, it's it's funny is that, um, yeah, Rami, Mel- the guy who was Freddie Mercury in the movie that came out last year, he did such a phenomenal job as Freddie Mercury, and he deserved the Oscar that he won, because besides singing, he did everything that I thought Freddie Mercury would actually do. And then they came out with the Elton John movie. Yeah. Yeah. And- And that was just a total, like, curveball because the Elton John movie was a musical and he's singing songs that he didn't even write yet and yet he's like a little boy and he's singing I Want Love and that didn't come out until, like, what,
0: 2002? Which, coincidentally, uh, Michael Jackson wanted to write a song about little boys that said I wanted love, but uh, that's a totally different movie that I can't wait to see. (laughs) So, but... But yeah, but even though, you know, like, even Michael Jackson, even though he was kind of, like, you know, disgraced after death, uh, that guy did so much for music, you know. uh, Thriller is probably one of the greatest videos of all time. Um,
1: yeah, that, or, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Are
0: you saying that he sure. smells like Teen Spirit? Oh oh, 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 no, oh. i I'm, no, Nirvana I'm smells saying, like Teen Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I got you, I got I'm saying, you. yeah, that video, but... I was going to say, right now, Michael Jackson smells
1: like teen spirit. But. Yeah. He, he, probably, no. Well, I think after a couple of years, the, the body doesn't produce smell anymore.
0: Well, people do all kinds of crazy stuff where, like, you know, uh, like Michael Jackson, you know, he's got his problem, or had his problems. And Elvis, uh, you know, Elvis had to take drugs to wake him up, and he had to take drugs to put him to sleep. And Michael Jackson had the same type of deal, you know, except he was anesthetized. And it's because you get so famous that you can't leave the house. So you don't even know what day it is, you know. You're like, is it nighttime? Okay, well, now I'm going to take my nighttime medication. Oh, it's daytime? All right, I'm going to take something to wake me up. And this is all doctor prescribed. But, uh, you know, then you have the, the crazy stuff where, you know, they gave Elvis a badge. They made him like an honorary police officer of, like, Memphis, and he was driving around, and he would use his badge, and he would pull people over, you know, if he, if he, if somebody cut you off in traffic, imagine, you could just, like, pull over, but, like, hey there, get out of the car, boy. All right, I want to talk to you now. Now, look here, you got any drugs in the car? Uh, yeah. Good, give them to me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you got any hamburgers in the car? Because I really use one of those. I almost of a peanut butter banana sandwich, you know? But, uh, I, I think that, you know, he might have took his uh, authority too far. Like, they gave him a badge as a goof, and he was like, oh, I'm a real police officer. So,
1: Give him a badge they give him a gun. Did they give him a gun?
0: No, he had his no. own gun. No. Oh. <laughs> but Elvis was so rich that he was like, if he was watching something on TV and he didn't like it, he would shoot the TV. Huh. Like, that's huh. a...
1: That, that makes the a true sense.
0: story. And, uh... You know, WWE uh, Honky Tonk Man uh, was an impersonator, kind of like... Well, he said he was an impersonator, but he was so low-rent that instead of shooting it with a a gun, he just would use a Nerf gun to shoot the TV, because he couldn't afford to buy a new TV. But,
1: uh, well, the Honky Tonk Man is probably one of the greatest, not just Intercontinental Champions of all time, probably one of the
0: greatest champions. You think so, or... Well, I think what makes him great is that he had a, you know, the, the gimmick is funny. Where, you know, uh, Elvis, Elvis was performing and Andy Kaufman, the comedian, was the first guy to impersonate Elvis. And after that, uh, but Elvis was still alive when he was impersonating Elvis, and which was kind of an insult. And then after Elvis died, everybody started impersonating him. And then, uh, like, with uh, Honky Tonk Man wrestling in Memphis, he wanted to get over with the fans, and so he created this, you know, what's the biggest disrespect is to impersonate the king, right? And so, like, you got great heat from impersonating uh, uh, such a beloved character, But then he also came from a wrestling background where he he had great moves. You took, you know, uh, a neck breaker is such a basic transition move nowadays. And the honky-tonk man was able to make it look like his swinging neck breaker was just going to kill you. Yeah, take your head off. So,
1: And, well, Jerry Lawler Mm -hmm. being your cousin, too, doesn't hurt. Because Jerry Lawler was hated in Memphis, wasn't he? no?
0: no, he was loved in Memphis. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, like he—he's—he's he's the king of Memphis. I mean, that's—that's that's basically what that was. Is he was saying that you think Elvis is the king? Jerry Lawler is the king, and that's kind of that's exactly where that comes from. Is that you know Jerry Lawler said, "Oh, forget the number one selling artist of all time. I'm the king," and that's why that's where the whole king thing came from. I
1: think he said he sold out the. Um they have a sports auditorium or something in Memphis, and he says he sold it out more than Elvis. Yeah, and that's. That was. I mean, it was true, but of course. Mid South Coliseum. Uh, Mid South. Thank you, Ryan. Our producer,
0: Ryan. This guy knows everything about Southern wrestling. <laughs> and we have Travis, who knows everything about WWE after 1983.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and and while well, I started developing thoughts
0: when one in 86 that's right well that's okay so we were talking about the uh, the over exaggerated neck breaker do you think Jake the Snake's DDT is
1: that that, that is it's uh, it's a shame because it was so devastating back in the 80s when Jake would hit that because as soon as he hit that you're like okay it's over now people will do the DDT and it's no big deal Length like get up and powder after, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like a transi- transitional yeah, move. You primarily
1: get one count.
0: The, the Rock did a
1: DDT for a while, right? Yeah, yeah it was uh, like a float, float around the DDT thing, and it was really good, but it wasn't finished.
0: Because I always thought in a street fight, what moves would you use, you know, if you if you got caught in a position, would you like actually give somebody a DDT? Like, I think it'd be fairly easy to do. And it'd probably be pretty devastating, you know? Yeah. But if you grab somebody you're like, all right, I'm going to give you, like, the shake, rattle, and roll, you know? You're like, hold on. It's not done yet. I'm, I'm rocking. Rock to the left. Rock to the right. Rock yeah. to the left. And then we're going to flip. And the guy's like, what the hell are you doing? You know? Yeah. Like, if you're
1: in a street fight, there's no way you would do the stone called stone because it would have zero effect.
0: But you would love to do that to somebody. Oh, though, it'd be you know? <laughs> yeah, be like great.
1: You would love to do that on top of a hood of a car or something.
0: Yeah, you know, in, in, in a street fight, I, I would love to do the Stone Cold Stutter, But I'm sure the most effective thing I could do would probably be the choke Slam. <laughs> you know, that'd be all you could really do. But in my in my mind, to power bomb somebody, you know what I mean? You're having an argument, you know, and then you just grab the guy and you just put him between your legs and you're like, but. There's so many applications but, for that, <laughs> but sadly, you cannot do a power
1: bomb on anybody unless it's on a small job.
0: No, it depends on how you know. Well, I don't know. What if you're arguing with a small child? I you. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you really you got to put the kid in his place. You really do. That's that's how they learn. You know, there's nothing says brush your teeth like a power bomb, really. You know, it's so you're. Thirty first, 32nd birthday. 31st. 31st. For my 30th birthday, all my friends were out of town. And... No, no, no. It was
1: your 32nd because of your 31st. All your friends were out of town. Is that right? Oh, I was in Havasu. And everybody was gone. So it might have been your 32nd.
0: Okay, okay. So it was my 32nd birthday. And... Uh, we went to uh, Quinn's. I was Fado or Quinn's? yeah, it was Fado before. in uh, In the Green Valley Ranch, and they had this Irish pub, and uh, there was this local band that was playing, and it's Darby O'Gill and the Little People, great band. Yeah, they what they do is they play traditional Irish music, but they also play like today's songs with, mm-hmm. but with accordion and fiddle. Okay, so uh, so like say they're playing the you know they would play. Uh, like Snoop Dogg's gin and juice you know but but they're doing it with fiddle and accordion you know so it has this Irish flair to it and uh they always do toasts and things like this and so while you're you're watching the band but you're also drinking you know they're they're like okay let's do a toast and they do it they'll, they'll do a toast they'll drink and they'll but the people buy the band shots and then you know they'll they'll do a toast and they'll do the shots and things like that but then they'll play this uh the birthday song, and what they do is they play "Whiskey in the Jar." It's a you know Metallica recovered it a few years ago in a rock version of it, but it's an old Irish song, and but they play it super fast, and it's like as I was going over, mountains, and then and so uh, if it's your birthday, you have to drink your entire pint of beer before the band finishes the song. And they always say, if you don't finish your beer before the song is over, you have to toss the salad of the accordion, accordion player. player. So, and uh, and the accordion player is a really sweet guy, but uh, he looks like a hobo. He looks like a hobo, and uh, but he's he's a great guy. But uh, so you're 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 encouraged to finish your. You know, it's it's a drinking contest, especially if there's two people that are celebrating your birthday at the same time. So it's a kind of a race to see who could finish first and so uh it was my birthday and i got up there and so there was another guy and it was his birthday also and so he went up there and he had is it the two the guy had two pints
1: right yeah but uh i think his he he wasn't drinking guinness it was like
0: light it looked light. he was drinking light beer and i was drinking a guinness and so uh my friend Tommy was like, "Hey, this guy's drinking two two beers. You have to drink two beers." And so I'm like, "Okay." So now we're double fisting beers, right? And the band starts to play, and I start hammering back the first Guinness. Okay, now Guinness is a it's a hearty, thick beer. It's a it's a stout, and uh, I it's an acquired taste, and I have acquired a very good taste for it
1: you know like Wayne Neeson from Taken except you don't have your special set of skills is uh
0: drinking beer I have a special set of skills and they inquire they require me to drink a lot of beer and (laughs) and tell a lot of jokes so uh which I haven't told any yet I will drink them but I will and then I will kill you and I'll kill this Guinness (laughs) so uh so I drink the first beer and I look over and the guy is still drinking his first one and I'm like okay so I start on my second one And I finish the second one. And the guy is still finishing up his first one. And so my friend Tommy grabs somebody else's Guinness off the table. Or no, he takes his. And he's like, here, drink this beer. And I'm like, okay. And so I start drinking a third one. The guy is still, he's just starting his second one. I'm on the end of my third one. I finish my third one. He's still drinking his second one. Tommy grabs a beer. Somebody just got a new Guinness. And he grabs that one, hands it to him. And I pound that down. All right. So then now I'm up to four. This guy's still finishing his second one. So uh, Tommy grabs, he goes, are you drinking that? Give it. He takes another guy's beer, hands it to me, and I finished that one. I drank five Guinness before this guy drank two. And everybody was like, wow, and I felt like a rock star. So this guy walks up, and he's like, dude, I just saw you drink that beer. That was the most amazing. And he hands me another beer. And so what am I supposed to do? So I pound it down right then, right? So now... I've drank 6 Guinness and I don't know what the stomach can hold but I know that it's probably not. Yeah, good. I know
1: where this story's going and uh it's going to be ugly. Yeah, it, it
0: gets what we like to do is get ugly early. That's the that's the that's the point. No. Uh so uh but so the with with the birthday song over, you know, uh the band finishes up and I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to drink anything now except for water because I am to the gills with Guinness. Okay, You're drive me home. Well, that's the other thing is that I didn't expect to get drunk, and so I didn't know how I was going to get home. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hang out, right? And so, uh, like, my truck is there, and they drive us to the Double Down Saloon. If you ever been to the Double Down, and uh, yeah, and so we go to the Double Down. It's a punk rock bar. Okay, so there's no locks on the bathroom door. And they have a strict, if you puke, you clean it up policy. Okay, which I don't want to puke in there because I don't want to clean it up. So I'm trying to stay away from things. I don't want to drink anything. So this guy comes up. He goes, we were just at the Quinns, man. I bought you a beer. And the guy gives me a pint of Guinness. And I don't know what to do with it. Uh, no, uh, it was a PBR, was it? Well, no, the, the, I, I, oh. the guy gave me the Guinness. And I drank oh. the Guinness. Oh. Okay, But it's been an hour or hour and a half since I drank anything. So now I'm having a Guinness, I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink this, and that's it. And then this other guy's like, oh, dude, he, it's your birthday, I'm going to buy you a PBR. So I'm drinking a PBR, and then this other guy's like, oh, have you ever had a bacon martini? And I'm like, no. So the the Double Down Saloon is, uh, they, they have a couple of different drinks. They have a drink called ass juice, and ass juice, depending on, who the bartender is it's it's like a jungle juice it's like a you know like a rum punch but uh depending on who the bartender is they'll put a, a can of corn in there all right so there's corn niblets floating around in your ass juice all right now if you want you can spring for the extra money and get it served in a little toilet okay and so now you have a toilet that has I didn't get the toilet but I have seen people drink the toilet ass juice with the corn niblets floating around okay <laughs> That's what kind of clientele you'd probably have. Uh, so and me. So we're watching a band called the Bowel Tones, all <laughs> right. And, Very fitting. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on because I'm out of my mind with Guinness drunkenness right now. So, uh, but I'm drinking this PBR and I'm like, I'm just gonna nurse this PBR. And the guy's like, Hey, you ever had a bacon martini? Apparently, it's something else they serve with a double down. It's a martini, and they put bacon grease on top. All mm-hmm. right. So, yeah, sounds delicious, I know. So, uh, so, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm here, I've never had a bacon martini, I've also ne- never had a frontal lobotomy, but I'm sure it's coming soon. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm holding PBR in one hand, bacon martini in the other, and I just lightly sip it, and I can feel that bacon sludge like going down my throat and into my guts, and it's mixing with that thick Guinness. I know, sounds lovely, right? So, uh, all then, I'm like, oh no, this is it. That was the last straw. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, I gotta throw up. I can feel it. Like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and where. And I know that they have the strict no puke policy, right? And there is just a ton of people between me and the exit door. And so, uh, I, I look at my buddy, Holy Face Tony, right? The guy's like six three and he has this incredible strength. He doesn't look very strong, but he's it's the hardest I've ever been hit. Like even in a fight, he's hit me like messing around harder than I've ever been hit in a fight. And so he goes, What? And I couldn't say anything because I could feel it coming up. He goes, Are you gonna puke? And I shook my head, yes. He grabs my drinks, both of my you know, my bacon martini, my PBR. I didn't know this until we were heading over here to the studio he gave him to Travis cuz i didn't know i didn't know what was happening he took him from me gave him to Travis grabbed me by the back of my neck like a dog he carried me by the scruff and he used me as a battering ram and he pushed me through a crowd of people and So all you can see is there's this fat guy who's not saying anything but has a look of panic on his face. Okay? And I'm clearing the path like Moses cleared the Red Sea. It's boom, boom, boom. We're knocking over punks and and hipsters like crazy. And we get to the front door of this place and there's a step in front of us like a stoop. And I step out and I let loose and I puke. And it's projectile, it is eight pints of Guinness, a PBR, martini. a bacon martini, and that is, it's all, it's starting to come out, alright? And it's coming out like a fountain, brah, you know, it's like stand by me, it's, it's coming, it's going. And uh, my buddy, he looks over at me and he goes, hey, uh, you want to move over? You're uh, throwing up on somebody's bike, alright? Somebody parked a motorcycle there, right? So I'm covering it from back tire to seat. He goes, you might want to move over. So I take one giant step to the right, and he goes, oh, you covered it. Perfect. I finished puking on the entire thing. I threw up from from the rest of the seat to the front tire. I covered this thing in puke. and, And he, like I said, he looked at it, and he goes, perfect. You covered the whole thing. And then he goes, you know, he goes, that's the most I've ever seen anybody puke before. <laughs> and,
1: and you think you, that would empty you
0: out, but you still had more in the tank. Right, right, yeah, things you to know? come. So uh, the, the bouncer, this guy, he'd been there for years. He, he just passed away a few years ago, and he was kind of a staple, you know, for the, for the bar and everybody and knew this guy. So he turns to my, uh, my buddy and he goes, he's not allowed back in here. And my friend goes, you think? And so I go sit on the, the edge of the stoop, and we're waiting for our friends to come out so we can get the hell out of there. So we, uh, side note, the, uh, the bouncer, the next time I came back, the guy had seen hundreds of people in between the time that I left there and huh. came back. And so he, he sees me, and he grabs me by the chest. He goes, hey, buddy take it easy tonight will you (laughs) and i'm like absolutely so the guy remembered like i guess he he must have been the most he'd ever seen puke and the guy had probably been bouncing for 30 years so uh we get back to the green valley ranch no no we went to screwball oh that's right we stopped at another bar okay so we're having chicken wings at i don't know three o'clock in the morning we're eating chicken wings and i'm having another beer I shouldn't, but now right. it's just a Bud Light, so it's like drinking water. Yeah. Okay? So, now I'm, I'm still drinking, which I probably shouldn't have did, and I'm having chicken wings, which I know I shouldn't have did. All right? So, I'm filling up. I'm like, well, if I eat something, I'll sober up. You know? I don't know why people say that, because it never seems to work. So, I eat these chicken wings, and we go back to Green Valley Ranch, and I'm like, Travis is going to have to drive me home. Travis does not I, like driving a I truck. I hate
1: driving your truck because it's too much power for me. Yeah. What do you drive? Um, well, at the time I drew, drove up a uh, Ford Ranger.
0: Yeah. So you went from driving a Ford so Ranger
1: to a uh, big 150. Uh, yeah. 150 Yeah. So it's, it's like driving a Tonka truck to driving a massive piece of machinery. I think we called it the Blue Beast. Yeah, er, I did.
0: Yeah, the truck was the beast, and yours was the amazing ranger. ranger. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah. Um, so I get in the car and uh, driving Earl home, and um, I we start getting on the freeway, and um, we start driving, and then he starts unrolling the window, and I'm like, "Why are we because we're driving on the freeway?" And so I'm trying to roll the window back up. He's trying to roll it down, and I don't realize he has to puke, so the window is stuck halfway. So he just goes, okay. I just cover the inside of the car, the outside of the car, whatever. And I'm like, oh, Earl. And so uh, we're driving, and we're I'm going like 70, and all of a sudden I feel like little sprinkles on my face. I'm like, son of a bitch, because I.
0: Because oh. when I puked out the window, the window, the the the, the mist was, yeah. was hitting him in the face. Because <laughs> I tried to roll it down. Yeah, so we still had puke mist flying in. Uh, happy happy thirty two birthday, bro. Yeah, it was a good one.
1: Okay, guys, welcome back to the show. Um, this is a new uh, segment that I want to do. It's called Top Six, which we review the top six of be it comic book, movie, um, anything, music. music, wrestling, whatever, of a certain year. This is the top six of 1983, and you might ask, why did I choose that? Oh, top six albums of 1983. And you might ask why I chose that. Well, that was the year I was born, and I just wanted to see what kind of music was popular Back in eighty three, uh, number six, we have by was it Quiet Riot, yeah. Mental Health. That was that was um uh, that was a number one album for one week. Yeah, I can well, see why.
0: Yeah, well, c- come on, Feel the Noise, huge hit. And matter of fact, the year that you chose, nineteen eighty three, was probably a, a one of the most influential. It it's it's crazy especially with MTV going that if you didn't turn on the TV and you didn't see especially at least the top 6 you in in the first hour of watching MTV you saw at least mm-hmm. one or two or even five of the top 6 so yeah quite right come on feel the noise metal health yeah still still a a popular song wherever you go people are banging their heads mm-hmm. you know i if you go if, you know, if you go to a sporting event and they're, they start playing that song, like, you're going to lose your shit, you know? <laughs>
1: well, they only had like, two or three songs, right? They had yeah, Bay but, Your Head,
0: Fill um, the Noise. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you had to buy the entire album mm-hmm. to get that one song. Mm-hmm. It's not like they, iTunes now. Where or, they have or, singles. Right? right, yeah, yeah. So, So, number five
1: is... Flashdance at two weeks.
0: Yes, if you could imagine the Flashdance movie came Flash out.
1: Flashdance soundtrack. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yes, yes, and oh, what a feeling! That 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 song was like for the summer to to, you know. They still. It was like the uh, up the Old Town Road of today. Even bigger than Old Town Road, if yeah. you could imagine anything bigger than Old Town Road. But it was that scene where. Uh, because jennifer beals she sits in the chair and she pulls the handle and the water comes down on her you saw that on every commercial and and you can if you see that picture you can hear that picture you know what i mean because you can hear oh what a feeling going on you know it's uh the same thing with maniac you know what i mean like when you hear that song maniac from the Flashdance soundtrack could get chris farley you you think of you think of her and Chris Farley and that it evokes so much because you start thinking she was so sexy she's doing a a breakdance spinning move you know uh during that song maniac but also Chris Farley dancing with the hose coming on him maniac, yes maniac. and so it takes you from a sexy feeling to Chris Farley dancing which makes you laugh because that's Hilarious.
1: Alright, at number four we have Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie at three
0: weeks. That's outrageous. Yeah. And I say that because that's what Lionel Richie said when he won for that album, he won multiple awards at the American Music Awards and he went to collect like he got single of the year for uh Dancing on the ceiling. No uh no, it was it wasn't Dancing on the Ceiling, it was Hello. No, <laughs> that was, uh, shut up. No, Every
1: one of Richie hit that I know, I'm gonna assume that it's from this album. You just keep saying no. it, and I'll say
0: if it was on there or not. But, uh, now I can't say it. Oh, Jem Hey! The hey, Gambler. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, whoa, 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 yeah. All night long. Of course. You'll get yes, there I had to sing eventually. the entire song to get there. Have you ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what's the name of that song? The one that goes, on the road again, just can't wait to get on the road again. And it's almost I'm like me <laughs> You know, I got to sing Sail Away. To, any time I, anytime you start that song, you have to finish that song. <laughs> so. Uh, he won for single. He won album. And he won artist. And, and he got up there and he was like, Outrageous. And so, yeah,
1: it's kind of weird uh, knowing that. Well, we'll get into it, but the song that's at number one, or the album, that's yeah, yeah. Number one. So get ready,
0: hold on to your hats. Yeah, hold you on. Guest already by. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> that's right.
1: Uh, so at number three is "Business as Usual"
0: by Men at Work. Yes. For eight weeks. Yes. Men at Work was a one of the, the you know the, that's what. Anybody that ever heard Vegemite, that's where you heard it from, Men at Work. Uh, Who Could It Be Now, great song, and I Come From the Land Down Under, and those, those two songs along with the rest of the album, but that, that's, that's pure 80s right there, you know, it's, uh, we, I, my sister and I, we, we told our, our mom and dad, we were like, oh, we'd love to see Men at Work, and this is back before we'd never been to a concert before but we knew that we wanted to see Men at Work and uh, mom said oh we just saw them in Las Vegas and we were we were blown away that our parents had seen Men at Work Men at Work in Las Vegas you didn't know she was talking about the trash Man. no she no No. she goes yeah she goes Men at Work isn't that the guy that dresses up like the Indian and the one that dresses up like the cop they had seen the village people (laughs) they saw the village people opened for Joan Rivers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and at the sands. Alright. No. That's that's what they saw. And I go, no, Minute Work is not the guy that dresses up like the policeman and the Indian. <laughs> and so So I can just imagine, you know, my dad was a, a pretty hardcore country fan. So imagine my dad sitting there watching the village people. Why <laughs> MCA He's watching some guy with the asshole's chaps. Yeah. So it's fun for the whole family.
1: All right, uh, number two. Um, I don't know how it's pronounced. It's Synchronicity. Syn- yeah, by the Police yes. at seventeen weeks. Yes. Mm-hmm. That. Um,
0: what song did I had? S of us. Every breath you take. Every, Every breath, breath you, you take. take. That was that was the hit right there. That was. If it wasn't for the number one album, uh, on the list, this this album was huge. Synchronicity. This is what put the Police on the map because they like they were they were popular but every breath you take was massive why well, you think Puff Daddy sampled that Exactly that song. I'm telling you that 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 opening guitar it, it really And it's not a love song. No, no. It's it's a stalker song. And everybody thinks that it's a love song and it's one of those songs where you're like Oh, look at that! Every every breath you take, he's he's really he's he's really into her. No, he's hiding and he's watching every breath you take. Yeah, I always picture that old guy from the Family Guy. You know, pervert. Yeah. Hey, every my paper boy, every breath you take, I'm gonna be watching you. Say, everybody except for Chris, keep your your pants on. Keep your pants on. That's right. Anyway, and speaking
1: right. of number one, number one <laughs> is "Drama Please,"
0: Thriller by Michael Jackson at 22 weeks. Yes, 22 weeks, Thriller. That is that is crazy, and it'll probably it's probably unprecedented. I mean, rarely has a except I think like Garth Brooks, uh, which Michael Jackson knocked like Elvis and the Beatles out for the top spot. So oh. to to get the of... Oh. Sorry. Um this
1: was a per billboard. Yes. So it, I I have to name my source. Yes. Uh, but it's funny is that I was looking at it and it said thriller was number one for like twenty two uh, no no, I know it was twenty two weeks. But it was number one 17. for fifteen weeks and then you had a Minute of Work come in there and then thriller was back up there and then Flash Dance Soundtrack came on there. And then Thriller was back and it, it was, was
0: it was Minute Work and then Thriller and then uh, Police no Minute Work Thriller Flashdance Police yeah. Thriller well, Police Thriller the thr-
1: Thriller album was kind of like Crabs it was keep coming back it kept coming back still does yeah
0: yeah yeah what your Crabs no I think no I think what you're talking about is uh, of the the album. Okay. <laughs> herpes is, oh, okay. That's what keeps herpes, coming back yes. I mean not that I know I mean I heard From a guy um, A friend of mine I mean it's not really a friend He's no. a guy that has herpes Has your but, same name Right yeah We go by the same name yes. But uh But yeah Thriller If If you didn't turn on MTV And you didn't see Beat It Billy Jean Thriller Thriller Yeah The video Yeah yeah the, the They thriller, announced the video The world premiere On MTV Yeah and not only they they showed they showed the making of Thriller on MTV, then they showed the the video Thriller on MTV. Then there was the post fight interview of Thriller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was it probably still is one of the best videos ever made. Mm-hmm. And and I know people and it also got into the the genre of where people will try to make their videos mini movies. And and Michael Jackson even done that with... Uh, he did... Black or White. Well, he did Black or White, but there was the uh, Remember the Time, yeah. uh, directed by the same guy, John Landis, uh, who did Thriller. But I don't think that, that any of these videos are as successful as the original. You know, Thriller just had the... The way it starts out, its its content, everything about it is just, it it draws you in. Vincent Price. Yeah, it's got the Vincent Price rap. So, you know, Vincent Price, this old, aging horror movie star, you know, like the guy, rarely done anything except for the Brady Bunch that wasn't outside of horror. And so you bring this guy back. So in the middle of a popular pop song, you have this old guy, you know, Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. You know, it's 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 fantastic, and it gets played every year at Halloween. You know, you're you're gonna find. It's a, it's a
1: staple. Yeah. At any house during Halloween.
0: Staple in my house during yes. Halloween, but it's only because I like to wear red leather. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's, I'll do that anyway. It doesn't have to be Halloween. You good? All right, so you probably saw this. There was a fight at Disneyland. Yeah, that was crazy. And what was crazy is that it happened at Toontown. Which is interesting because this is the most exciting thing to happen in Toontown since they opened it. Yeah. Well,
1: it was crazy because no security showed up.
0: Yeah, it took took, took a long time. Like the fight was almost done and they showed up. It I I saw that I saw it on uh, on one of the Disney sites and it said uh, there was a fight at Disneyland and you think that you're gonna click on you know click on this video and it's, it's gonna going to like two three yeah, it's seconds. Gonna, it's gonna be like two or three seconds long and the video was like like seven minutes long and you're like well what else could they show Just, in seven yeah, minutes like, I thought they had security pretty tight at Disneyland it turns out that they're... No one thought there was going to be a fight in Toontown because uh, no one showed up. Like no one showed up. So uh, if you if, if you saw the video, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, watched that like 30 times. This guy, I don't know what what it was about, but this guy was obviously angry at this uh, woman, and she was a larger woman, and he kind of like like smacked her around the head a little bit. And then, like, her husband was like, come on, let's go. And they get in, like, this, like, fight stance, you know? And, and they're kind of, like, dancing. And I'm like, okay, so this is where security is going to break yeah. this thing up. And so the guy, like, he goes, you think he's going to come in and swing on this guy. And instead, he punches this other girl in the face. And you're like, oh, that that took a wild turn. <laughs> so then... They the two guys kind of like start to tussle, and and they're like walking around. Well, like also their kid, like one of their kids, he was like, I don't know what he was doing. Like the kid was wandering through. Yeah. So then these two girls, like this, the mom shows up on a rascal, right? She rolls up on a rascal, and she gets in between these two girls going at it, and she gets she gets knocked over. She falls over like a sack of potatoes. It's almost comical, and matter of fact, you can hear a girl that's filming it laugh, because it looks like, it looks like she's taking a bump, you know what I mean, like she's just like, ah, you know, she does like the the nasty plunge, you know, right there on the floor, you know, and, uh, and then this girl is like, oh no, she fell over, and she starts to like help her up, and like these two girls are, picking this girl up ball. They're still fighting. Yeah, so the, the first guy that started the fight, he's walking back and forth. He's like, I'm going to jail tonight. I'm going to jail tonight. I'm like, this guy already has plans. Coincidentally, he, yeah, he didn't know how good Disney security was because he probably wouldn't have had to go to jail. Yeah, meanwhile, security is still not there. Like, if he wanted to, he probably could have just walked...
1: Security is probably still untanglement.
0: He probably could have walked out of the park and would have been fine. But, so, he's walking around. And then... He goes back over to the the bigger woman that he knocked down before and he starts smacking her again. And and so there's more like commotion and now there's a crowd there's a crowd gathered. And uh the, like people are stepping in like hey man you got to stop you got to stop you got to hey, stop. After
1: after 3 minutes. Yeah, so probably...
0: they they break him up. He walks around and then he's like let's get out of here. And then he says uh, wait a minute to this one girl he's like did you just knock over my mother? and he just found out that they that she got knocked over but he doesn't know that it was on accident he thinks that she did it he grabs her by the hair and he starts punching her in the face and everybody's like whoa 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 okay this is enough it's enough so uh he's still walking around these guys grab him and like bring him to the floor and He's sitting there, and you're still trying to figure out what's going on. There's kids like crying, and they're they're watching their parents fight, and and it kind of looks like a war scene from a Vietnam it, movie. Yeah, it looks it, it looks pretty bad. So this guy starts to get back up, and he's walking around. Finally, security starts showing up, and they don't know what to do. They're just like, "You sir, just just just." He, guy goes up to a woman, and he's like, "Just just calm down, yeah, because that's what gets everybody to calm down." But it took a while to get everything going. But uh, it turns out. So what they're gonna do is they they walk the people out the door and handed them over to the police. Uh, but the police are gonna do an investigation. If somebody that works there signed those people in to get in like for free, then that person is gonna lose their job. Ugh. Yeah. So like, however, if, if those people didn't buy a ticket and start a fight. Whoever signed them in is losing their job, so it's it's shitty. It was it was the craziest thing you've ever seen, which I was, you know, like we said, it happened in Toontown. I forgot Disney had a Toontown until I saw the fight, and then I was like, oh yeah, the Toontown. That's they, what it looks like. Yeah, well they it, they they have a Roger Rabbit ride in there. And they have, like, a couple of kid things. They have a, uh, a meet and greet with Mickey Mouse. So if you want to meet Mickey, go to Toontown. But, uh, but more importantly, if you want to get in a street fight, go to Toontown. <laughs> which I should have brought Goldust with me because he knows how to handle himself in a street fight.
1: So, speaking of uh, Daisy and uh, I know recently you just seen the new Star Wars Galaxy Edge, yeah. Just saw the Galaxy's
0: Edge. It was, you know, you were supposed to go with me, but yeah. uh, you were you were in Paris. Yeah, I was I was riding another ride. Uh, hey, you know, some people get to go to Paris, and other people are lucky enough to go to Galaxy's Edge at some Disneyland. So, right. yeah, that's right. Well, like, you know, it's because I'm a Gemini, and yeah. I don't know what you are. Yeah, well, uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's Libra. Uh, we cares. we went. To ge- uh, we went. We had a, a reservation to to get in. And this is before it opened uh, to the public, and uh, we got to go in, and so it wasn't as crowded as it should have been. It took us about 15 minutes to get on the. Uh, by the time you get there, when you when you enter, it you go through this this tunnel, and you're going from Frontierland, and the tunnel has these old timey lanterns on the walls, and as you get halfway through. The lanterns turn into like a space age looking lantern, and when you come out of that tunnel, you are now in a different land, you're on a different planet. And you see a the Millennium Falcon, no. no, uh, you it you like you see like these trees, and then like there's an X Wing fighter off to the side, and you're like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And then you're walking some more, and you see like some droids that are like kind of like abandoned and you you as you as you get farther and farther you get deeper into it you see more and more things but uh you, you turn the corner, and everything looks like it's old. It looks like it's, these, these robots have been there for a long time. You go into this market square, and off to the side, they have some, some droids that look familiar to, uh, like, R2-D2-type droids, like astromech droids. Uh, yeah. And then you see from, like, The Empire Strikes Back the probe droid, mm-hmm. the one that they sent in the snow and it's searching for you know the rebels yeah, yeah. and they have it's kind of looked like it's it's been like uh stretched, it's been destroyed and it's hanging from the wall. And uh, and you're like, look, I re- I recognize that. That looks pretty badass. And then uh you come into this courtyard and they have these brand new banners like you can tell that the 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 resistance just showed up, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh they're have their, their black and red, and uh, they have a, a bad guy ship sitting off to the corner. And you're like, these guys just came in, and they're kicking butt. And they're stormtroopers. Every so often, you'll see a pair of stormtroopers walking through, or they're standing up on top. And all these stormtroopers are doing is letting you know that their presence is there. When you finally get in through uh, this one area, you you've you've walked in, you've walked around, you've came to the courtyard, you've come across, and then there it is, the Millennium Falcon, and you you tear. I cried like ugly cried. Okay. Because I had this toy as a kid, and I knew every inch of it, and every inch of it has been recreated, but in adult size, so. It's like if, you, if you're like, well, I have the 1-6 scale, and now I have the 1-1 scale. It, it is a life-size Millennium Falcon. And when you get in line for this thing, you, you come in, and the line wraps around, and you get to see it from the bottom, you get to see it from the sides, you get to see it from the top, you get to see the entire thing while you're going through the line. We didn't have to wait very long. We only had to wait 15 minutes to go on it because we had the uh, reservation. But you get to see the entire Millennium Falcon. And then you go into this other room, and there's this guy standing there. And it's a uh, animatronic. And it's the most lifelike animatronic that they've ever made. Normally, you go on the Pirates of the Caribbean, and you, it looks like a guy that just has one motion that's doing a thing. This thing kind of turns to the audience, and he's like, Hey, everybody, how you doing? Are you ready for an adventure? He's flailing his arms about like he's an old Italian woman. And you can't believe, you, you think that it's, it's a dude. And just because from the first step, it, it looks like he's stepping towards you where really he only has, there's a rod going up from the floor into one leg. So he's able to pivot back and forth because there's nothing holding you know the other leg down. So this thing is pivoting, it's gesturing, it's talking to you, it's telling you that you are going to go on an adventure, and we need to pilot the Millennium Falcon, and he needs your help. And then he's like, Chewbacca's getting it ready for you. They show a screen, and it shows Chewbacca in the cockpit, and it shows that he's got everything ready to go. You go in to... uh, you go through another door, and now you are in the Millennium Falcon. It looks just like the movie. There's 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 this, there's the little uh, breakfast area where Chewbacca was playing chess. chess, and you can sit at the chess table and take a picture, but they give you these color-coded cards. And so this way, you got a card, and while you're waiting, you can explore the Millennium Falcon. So you go over in the corner, and there's like a, a bunk, and it has... Luke's uh, practice ball that was shooting lasers while Luke was practicing how to use the lightsaber. It has Luke's helmet. So, like, all these things are just sitting around the area. And then they call out. They're like, Red Card, come over here. So you go over there. But there's two hallways. Now, what they... Like, it looks like you're going to go down the hallway and get into the Millennium Falcon cockpit. But the way they have it situated is that they can have six rides going at once. But it looks like you were put in the actual cockpit. But they just take you in a oh, different, cool. they put oh, you in a different awesome. door. Yeah. So, totally cool. so the entire time, like you go down here, you go down this corridor, and now you are in the cockpit. And it's seats six. Two in the front, two in the middle, and two in the back. The two in the front, the guy on the left has to operate the left to right for the, for the ride. Okay? You control the ride. The guy that sits on the right, he controls the up and down for for your thing. So anytime you go, it's going to be a different ride because somebody, whoever's behind the controls, is operating it, right? So if you put like a little kid in there, he's going to crash into everything inside. Yeah. So the people in the middle, uh, they are going to be your uh, your gunners. All right. So when there's something to shoot, the the guy says left gunner. Fire, and then you there's buttons and switches. You've got to hit those buttons. You've got to fire stuff. The people in the back are the engineers. There's a scene where uh, you're supposed to <clears throat> steal this train car, and you have to have both people hit the buttons at the same time. They fire grappling hooks. They grab this train car, and you pull that off because that's what you're looking for in this ride. So everybody in the ride has something to do. Uh, I was the pilot twice because I know how to steal my cards. So uh, we we get in there and we start piloting this thing, and it's really amazing because you get the full effect of flying the Millennium Falcon. And I was really hoping that my Chewbacca would have been there, but he was in France. Sorry, that's all
1: I was I was dealing with another a whole another mess of things,
0: like a Sarlacc pit.
1: No, like oh. I couldn't take a shit properly when I was up there.
0: That's gonna happen. Yeah. I'll tell you. But uh, if you would have been on this ride, you would have went way properly because <laughs> I I didn't know how to operate it at first, and I think I crashed into a few things that I probably shouldn't have. But mm, that's fine as long as you didn't crash into yeah. people. No, I did. But anyway, uh, but yeah, it's it's an amazing, it's a, it's really a fantastic thing that they put together there. They do have another ride that uh that opens up soon yeah, the
1: rise of the
0: the resistance. rise of the resistance i uh i didn't get to go on that they they were only doing tests on that so uh i didn't do that but i did stop by ronto roasters and it's pretty neat it looks like they have a jet cooking uh rotisserie style uh rontos uh which is a dinosaur looking character that they shoehorned into the uh Special edition of
1: yeah, Star Wars. Because yeah, I was wondering what the hell a Ronto was.
0: You remember the Jawas, uh, when the the was yeah, yeah, coming through yeah. in yes. Episode Four? Uh, that looks like a dinosaur. Yeah. That's a Ronto. Okay. So it's called Ronto Roasters, and uh, it looks like it looks like a, a they took a jet off of a of of a spaceship, and it's blasting down. Really, what it is is it's just uh, mist. smoke, mist, water. and water, yeah. and then they have lights. Uh, red and orange lights on it so it actually looks like it's fire coming out but it's it's just mist. Mm. but they have a robot that is cranking the rotisserie and it looks like he's cooking and it's a big plastic piece of you know looks like meat Mm. but uh but the the restaurant next door to it is serving barbecued ribs and they just pipe the smell over into this place so it smells like they're really cooking like dinosaur or you know Ronto's Not over here. Yeah. Ronto. yeah, yeah, And so, uh, but at the Ronto Roasters, they have uh, it's kind of like a uh, uh, a gyro bread. Yeah. But they put Probably a hot yeah. dog. Yeah. They put but they put a hot dog in it with a like a peppercorn mayonnaise and uh, like a coleslaw, and then that's like your space Star Wars kind of a hot dog, uh, and so they have oh. that available.
1: I tell you, um, I, when I went to France, I had a hot dog with uh, mayonnaise. And let me tell you, it is the worst thing you've ever eaten.
0: I can imagine. You know, I, I always thought that Jack in the Box had the best croissants. So I <laughs> I couldn't imagine that Fran- France would do them any better than Jack in the Box. Yeah. Well, Mom's Breakfast Jacks beat Jack in the Box all the way. If Disneyland sold Mom's Breakfast Jacks... I was going to say well they'd make a million dollars but that's probably nothing compared to Disneyland so it's <laughs> but the food's getting better the food's getting better so